So my mom has been working on our family genealogy for five years, six years, and she tells us the story of our family every year, or when we get together for a family reunion, we have a felt family tree, and she sticks people on there, the old felt boards, and we hear the stories of a couple of generations. Sometimes it's a two-night event. It's very exciting. And as a student of uh, natural family systems, I love to hear these stories. I love to consider how the characteristics of my ancestors have made their way down through the generations. My cousin and I love to talk about that. The book of Acts feels like Luke's version of my felt family tree stories. The stories that he tells are the stories that have shaped who we are as people of faith, as followers of Jesus. And even though that was 2,000 years ago, and we've evolved somewhat since then, these stories give us a glimpse into who we are and how we are to be. So we have this story today of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. But before we jump into that story, I want to remind you of what's happened so far in the book of Acts. Because in the first eight chapters of Acts, we hear a description of the incredible expansion of the early church. In Acts 2, the first Pentecost day, thousands in Jerusalem are converted. Now, this would have been a multi-ethnic group of Jews who were located most likely in Jerusalem or lived close by, and they were there for the festival. And then in Acts 6, where we're first introduced to Philip, we'll talk about that in just a moment, leadership rises up that includes Hellenistic Jews, so another sect of Jews. And then in Acts 8, before our reading for today, Followers of Jesus are scattered across Judea and Samaria because of persecution. And, show, and so the church extends into those areas. The gospel is preached in an even farther area. Of course, this isn't the only growth that we will see, and certainly not the last conversion. But it is worthy to note that in this first section of Acts, the focus is on inclusion, and it's, radical, it's that radical nature of inclusion in Jesus that leads to the persecution that will introduce us to a young man by the name of Saul in the next chapter. So in Acts 6, we hear Philip's name mentioned for the first time as someone who was chosen to help lead the people do kind of administrative tasks so that the apostles could continue to devote themselves to prayer and to teaching. And after the stoning of Stephen, the disciples are scattered across the region, and Philip finds himself in Samaria. And this is a quote from Acts. The crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, came out of many who were possessed, and many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in that city. So that's what's going on with Philip. Eventually, Peter and John, I think, go to Samaria and gift the Holy Spirit to all the people that were there. And after all of that happens, Philip is visited by an angel who sends him toward Gaza 
on the wilderness road. Go, the angel says, and so Philip goes. Just goes, gets up and goes. And I'm reminded of so many who follow God and find themselves sent to places that make no sense or have no apparent purpose. And yet they still go. They trust the word that they have received, and so they go not knowing what is in store for them. Philip didn't know that he was going to meet an Ethiopian eunuch. He was just told, go toward Gaza on this road. And there are people in our own time that do this, but most of us, I would say, are not so eager to follow, to just go. We would much rather have a plan, or at least I guess I should speak for myself, but I think most people are like this. We want a plan. We want to know what's coming. We want to control everything and how we respond. But when we do that, we miss the opportunity the Spirit or an angel or God has sent us to. So along that way, we hear there's an Ethiopian eunuch. And who is this Ethiopian eunuch? And why is it so important that we know this story? Well, eunuchs have been a part of Jewish society and society in the Middle East for a really long time. We hear about them in Deuteronomy. And they are, but they are also prevented from being in the temple. They live on the outside, and yet they have positions of power. Oftentimes they can move between the genders, or they oversee the treasury. But because of their identity as a eunuch, they're outsiders. Margaret Amer, a theologian, points out that it's only after we are introduced to this beautifully complex man, this wealthy, politically powerful, scripture-reading, God-worshipping eunuch, do we hear about what the Spirit has in mind for Philip. And I couldn't help but thinking, isn't that the way of things? That we get to know people, that we understand them, and that is the beginning of any kind of relationship. And then, friends, Philip. I got to tell you, I can't even with him this week. He runs. I don't like to run. He runs to the chariot. The Spirit says to him on this wilderness road, go over to the chariot and join it, and he runs to do the Spirit's bidding. When was the last time you ran to do something the Spirit asked of you? I tried to remember a time when I ran to do the Spirit's bidding, when I ran into the unknown, trusting that I would have what I needed to meet the moment. I considered the work that I've been doing for the last year around anti-racism, but that is work that I was called to a long time ago and have been really dragging my feet until it was no longer possible to do so. And there have been times where going where the Spirit has sent me made my stomach clench and my hands go clammy and my insides shake, but I've been hard-pressed to think of a time when the Spirit said, go to this place, and I did right away. And then the Spirit would tell me to go join the chariot, whatever that would be, and I ran to do it. Have you ever run to do the Spirit's bidding? If not, why not? And then what happens when Philip runs to that chariot is so beautiful. A dialogue happens. 
questions are asked and then answered. There's four of them. Three of them the eunuch asks. One, Peter, or, uh, Philip asks. Scripture is explained and understood. The Spirit fills the Ethiopian, and I would suspect P Philip too. And together they learn. Together they listen. This has been a Jewish practice for centuries, to engage in this kind of dialogue, to study in pairs. It's called Havrutach, and it's genius. It's the way our faith grows. We as Lutheran believes that we believe that we understand Scripture more when we talk about it, when we're engaged in conversation. And that's exactly what happens in this story. And then the story of Jesus is so compelling. The Ethiopian eunuch asks, what is keeping me from being baptized right now? Luke leaves his readers to wonder with this question. What is keeping him from being baptized? Later, people add a verse to the manuscript to answer that question or to make it fit into the way things are supposed to be but the oldest manuscripts don't have that other verse because I think Luke didn't want it to be so neat and tidy. Luke wanted us to sit with that question, what is keeping him from being baptized? He is a eunuch, prohibited to enter the temple, but he is faithful. This is the final story of the first section of Acts, and it's a snapshot of what the early church, and I would dare say the church throughout time, was wrestling with. That is, how to be a follower of Jesus in a world full of laws that exclude. Many of their laws in these first eight chapters are challenged and will be challenged as they go forward. And yet they work through it. They continue to study Scripture. They continue to pray together. They continue to understand Scripture in a new way through the eyes of Jesus. So what's keeping people from experiencing the grace of God in our day and age? This is the question that I've been asking myself a lot this week. For Philip, there should be nothing. That's pretty clear with this story. Philip, in all his going and running and listening and answering, doesn't seem to hesitate to baptize the eunuch. Filled with the Spirit's mandate to be love wherever he is at, he embodies the love of God there on the wilderness road. But what about now? What about us? What is keeping people from knowing God's love today? So the Ethiopian is baptized. Philip is snatched away by the Spirit, while the wealthy, politically powerful, scripture-reading, God-worshipping eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. Philip runs. The Ethiopian asks, and together they study scripture and know the love of God present with them. This story of our ancestor from so long ago is our story. It lives in us. And we see this willingness to serve throughout the ages as people trust the Spirit of God and end up changing their corner of the world or perhaps the whole of the world. This story, these characteristics... This willingness to serve lives in us. So how are we going to live into what our brother Philip exhibited? How are we going to embody the inclusion that Jesus modeled for us? Well, I think it starts with being curious. Being curious about our own barriers, 
that we carry with us, and then to have an open heart and open ears to hear the Spirit, to trust where she is sending us, and to run full force and embrace God's love in this world. Amen.